everyone. Welcome back to Red Devils Talk, brought to you by Elite Football Show. My name is Hayda and I'm your host as usual today. I've got my usual four co-hosts here. I've got Kieran. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing very good after the win yesterday. Absolutely, mate. I'm in a great mood today. Marky Mark, how are you doing today, mate? Very well, thank you. Um, great football last night um, and very, very positive today. So, yeah, good. Thank you very much. Joe, you were a happy man on the group chat last night. Yeah, mate, absolutely buzzing. I think you you can't help but be happy, can you, with the performance and uh, and 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 the way we set up and everything. But obviously, we'll get into that later. But yeah, no, absolutely buzzing with that win, mate. Absolutely. And last but not least, he is representing the shirt. He is matching with our new background, Paulie. You must be delighted after yesterday, and you're rocking the shirt because it's actually growing on me. I can't lie. I think I might buy one. Yeah, it's fashionable. Learn learn some fashion. <laughs> All right, mate. All right. All right. Oh, Guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Red Devils talk every single Wednesday live at 7.30. After Champions League games, we'll go sh live show after that. Like and subscribe, as Joe is saying, in the bottom right-hand corner. That's and look, yes, it was absolutely fantastic. I really, really enjoyed that. An absolute masterclass by Ollie. Look, I'm going to come to you first, first, Paulie. Let's talk about the defence. Talk to me a little bit how we set up and... Who impressed you the most? The answer is obviously uh, Twanzebi back in the defense. Juan Bissaka did what pretty much what I expect Juan Bissaka to do. Uh, it's really hard to criticize Ali for this, like because what he did worked in the end. So, like you know, good game plan. It worked. I was – he's lucky it worked because at the end of the day, I was a little bit not impressed. I understand – like, you know, you you basically – you had no choice but to go with the back three because you didn't know that Axel was going to, like, give you a 10 out of 10 performance, you know. Even if you had high hopes, 7, 8 out of 10, you didn't know it was going to be 10 out of 10 and you needed that help back there. But very quickly onwards – it just felt like this game was there for the taking and we were one attacking player short. And I just felt like this, this, the back four, the way they played last night, or, you know, between Juan Bissaka, Twanzebi, Windelof, Shaw, they could have handled that team with McTominay and Fred in front of them. And if we had that extra attacking player, like this could have been very dangerous. It just looked like Tellez would get forward and they'd give him the ball and he'd be like, right, I'm going to boom in a cross. And then he was like, oh, wait, it's Martial and Rashford. You know, that's not going to work. So he didn't. And it, it, it just, it stagnated. And that's the thing with the back three is we don't score a lot of goals, especially not from open play. We got a penalty. Um, we got the nice, uh, you know, retake it until you score rule that hurt us against Crystal Palace. But they, get, they let us do that um, last night. But the margin for error is so slim, and that's exactly what you get. Like when when you get a glorious finish from Martial at the wrong end of the field, suddenly like this game, which you should be, you've been so in control of, is now 1-1, and you're like, wait, we may not come away with the three points that we very much deserve. So it was an impressive performance by everybody. I The back three, it worked. That's great. As as it does a lot, I just I think we could have gotten away with the back four, and maybe that's something to keep in mind for next time. Interesting. I'm gonna bring you in, Kieran, on that back four or back three. This is a big question. Look, let's talk about the personnel quickly. I want to talk about Axel. We know that United needed a centre back in the summer. We've been calling for that all summer, but 
I think Oli has always had this idea that if Axel can keep fit, he's going to take that spot. When you haven't played since December, to put in a performance like that against two of the best forwards probably in world football, it's phenomenal, isn't it? And just talk to me about your thoughts on him. Yeah, it, it is phenomenal to have that be your first game. And there's a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, he shouldn't play because the first game coming up against Neymar and Mbappe, I'm like, well, look, at the end of the day, you, I would have definitely rather having him in there than putting the likes of Matic or McTominay to play in centre-back. Anyone that's seen Axel play is... Once he's fit, he's he's good to go. He's a strong, he's very strong and athletic. I w- I wasn't gonna worry. I would be more worried if it was his first game back. If he was more like the physicality, like Lindelof, where he's kind of fast but not, but not too fast and not he doesn't rely too much on his athleticism. I've and I've been harping on this all summer when we we're kind of complaining that there wasn't a center back and we've done so many shows on who's the best partner for Maguire. And every single time I've come back and I've said, Axel's the player that you need to come in. If he stays fit, he's the center back. And I've, I've always said it is he's a type of player that you can see be captain of a team because he, it's not just how he kind of shouts in the middle of games, but he is able to lead a defense when you have to come into a defense where whether we like it or not, that your captain's not there. You're coming in with a three-man defense where Luke Shaw is on one side and you have Lindelof in the middle who hasn't been on great form recently. That for him to come in and look as make it look as easy as he did, it just shows how good a player he is. The only issue that he's had is his injuries. If he can get over that, there's no reason that he shouldn't be starting every single game because by a country mile, he's probably the best center back at the club and has been an and I mentioned it before, Solskjaer knew that as well. He was going to be playing him in that Liverpool game. It's just he pulled up with an injury. It's it's very obvious, especially around the club. You talk to anyone associated with Manchester United, and anytime Axel's brought up, everybody only has good things to say about him. And it's really nice to see that fans got to actually see that last night. Yeah, I completely agree. Joe, I'm going to bring you in a comment from Ahmed. Hello, mate. Nice to see you here. Back three, 100% seems to be the way forward. Shaw is a totally different player in that position. Luke Shaw was phenomenal yesterday, wasn't he? And I think we all know that, though. Anyone that's seen Luke Shaw play in the three has actually seen that. He suits that that formation. Talk to me why you agree with that. Or if you don't agree with that, say that as well. No, I totally agree with that. But I don't think we can be stuck on it. You know, it, it depends who we play. We've talked about this before. Formations for different teams. You know, we will have to... There will be times when Luke Shaw has to play the four as a left-back. I don't really know why it suits me. I, I think more... I don't know, without getting onto it, maybe it's there's less up and down for him. You know I mean? He did, he did get forward from that left-centre-back position last night, so it's not like he just stays back at all times. But he isn't having to sort of bomb up and down. And, and obviously, there has been concerns over his fitness in the past. And more so if he was to play wing back in that position, he'd be need to do that even more. But just touching on what the guys said there with the back three as well, you know, picking up on what Paulie said and, and what Kieran said, I agree with Paulie, you know. But I think hindsight's a wonderful thing. Maybe we could have got away with four at the back. And if, if you look, that's the way we did go in the end, where we thought that the game was there for the take-in. But I think one of the reasons he maybe did go for it at the back was 
because you know you're looking at he wanted to give Alex Tellers a game. So for Alex Tellers to be in a back, you know, have a back three alongside him with with Luke Shaw on that side, the experience it obviously helped bring him back in. And obviously with Axel with his first game since December, you know, it, you know, you're thinking to yourself, well, if Axel does struggle in this game. You're giving him a bit of extra protection at the back there as well, obviously, in Lindelof and Luke Shaw play there. So it may be not just the opponent last night. It was also maybe the personnel that Solskjaer had in the game. You know, a couple of players either not played for a while or making the debuts, where he might have also, that might have been another factor in his thinking, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you have to... You have to think that way going in. It, you know, how, how are you going to know that 15 minutes in, you're going to be like, oh, wow, like we, we totally could have played it this way. I just think uh, like going back to what Kieran said, this really speaks to like all summer, we, you know, fans were complaining like what's, what's the long-term plan? And there's so many fans screaming like we need a center back. And like there is this chance that Solstar said my center back, my new center back this year is going to be Axel Twanzebi. And we're going to use this season – to assess where it is. Like, what's the point of spending 60 million uh, pounds that we don't really have on a player who, when I have real, when I think Axel can do this, and then we have Tayden Mengi coming in bef before that. And then next year we could take that, th those, you know, let's say they, they come in and they do exactly what you want to do. You could take that money and spend it elsewhere. Um, as opposed to then just tying up more money into a center back. And then you have these two other kids that, you know, it, it's just, it could have been wasted money and that could have very well been his plan. Yeah, um, I totally agree with, with everyone, really. I mean, if you've got a ready-made centre-back, they're, they're going to see a lot more than what we do behind the scenes. And we know that Axel is a good player. He's, he's obviously, he had a good uh, season at Villa. It's unfortunate about his uh, injury. But, um, you know, perhaps if he is, we, we don't have to appease the fans every time just to, bring someone in that's world-class. You know what I mean? It doesn't always work like that. I mean, it's always nice to do so, and I'm not against it at all. But um, we've seen how good he is, and if he can stay fit, you know, he was quick, he was strong. I think to, for, for anyone to come in after that amount of time, he did a phenomenal job. Um, and going back to the formation as well, we we've, we had 4-2-1-3-1. Um, and... It was, you know, it was it was the best formation for Ollie going forward. But, you know, we got found out. So just because we've now found another formation that might work against the big teams, it doesn't mean that we... Do you can... mean 4 2 three, Yeah, one? sorry. Sorry, my bad. I was about to say... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, and, and that got found out, didn't it? So it now means that we've got another formation that we can play. And, you know, there's there's not many teams out there that, that really play more than two or three. Um, so if, if we've just seen how good we were last night against a big team, and, and Ollie did it a, last, a lot last season, he seemed to play three at the back. Um, and it seems to shore it up a little bit. And even if, even if Axel came in and we knew that he was going to come in and play the game that he did, I, th I still think he would have gone three at the back. I think it worked really well. I think Lindelof was brilliant last night, actually. I think... Again, yeah, again with Harry, I think it just goes to show that if you have someone like Axel in there, uh, Lindelof or Harry would will be great too. And then Shaw had a great game, and he's a little bit quicker. It was, yeah, it was, it was. There was a lot of positives to take from last night. 
Um, but I don't want to get carried away. You know, it's very easy for us to get carried away with such a great result. And and as Paulie mentioned in our chat earlier today, you know, I think that a lot of fans will expect United to go in and try and get a result. And sometimes when that happens, you, you become come away a bit more disappointed than, than not. Um, but yeah, Axel was terrific. And, and as I said, I think everybody knows this. Again, I don't want to jump the gun, but if he stays fit, he could... Um, he could really, he could really be the one to to partner Harry, or at least be in that back three. Kieran, I can see you're itching, you're itching to say something about the centre backs. Go on, mate. Your mic. Yeah, good lad. Yeah. Um, just on what Polly said earlier, when bringing up like Mangi and Tuanzebi, that it can save money going forward. It's it's always been a position that United have done pretty well at, at centre-back. Like, even when Tuanzebi was coming up, a lot of the stuff was with him and Roshan Williams now. Generally, not all of them come through. The same thing happens now where you see that Mengi has come into the side and you've seen Deshaun Bernard that's gone out on loan. One of the other players in the academy, um, Will Fish, has done really well. And then there's that kid that came in from France. So it's you can see that there's an effort from United to improve at the academy level so that they save that money and let's say Tuanzebi comes in he has an excellent season just think of how much money they could have saved with Tuanzebi and Mason Greenwood coming in that's why you see the club spend quite a lot of money at the youth ranks we've already seen it kind of has helped out with the likes of Joe Hugo who's coming in from Sunderland who's already got his professional contract like you see constantly every single year that we're spending money on these younger players. Now, obviously, the two kind of that people are talking about were Diallo and Palestri. But even if one of them turns into a great player, you've saved a load of money there. So that effort from the club to kind of improve at the kind of younger levels could actually be very beneficial in the next kind of three to four seasons, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the the other flip side, completely agree. With the flip side is so that you do need to still invest in the first team. It's 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 great having someone like Axel come through, someone like Mason. But you know that they're still well. I say Axel isn't as young, but Mason's still young. Obviously, that you need experience around them. But I completely agree, guys. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Red Devils talk. Today is always every Wednesday at 7.30. We are live, so make sure you put a reminder in your calendar or whatever you use, your diary before you go to bed. I don't know, whatever it is. But no, I'm going to come diary these days. We know you have a diary, mate. You write I down do, all, your, do. all your thoughts when you get bullied on Red Devils. Diary, I, have a, I have a black book. <laughs> okay, that sounds weird. Um, no, so <laughs> We know, Mark. We know. We're going to come to you. Yeah, yeah, can, I just, can I just make one final point on Axel? Sorry, I just want to say that look, last night, for me, you, we talked on the leadership skills. I mean, did you see the yeah. clip from one yeah, of his interviews it. afterwards where he said, you know, we are, we are a bigger team than PSG? And I'm sorry, people, you know, these days people want to look at team sheets and they want to look at individual players. Don't forget your history here, guys. You know what I mean? Like PSG, they don't even come close to I think that like was what United annoyed me the most about the bat. I think we gave PSG too much respect last night. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're a fantastic side at the moment and they're they're in a moment, but, you know, they're another one of those clubs where, uh, I mean, PSG, all my life, I've known who they are, obviously, and they, they, it's not quite like Man City where they were a sort of, but they weren't necessarily Champions League regulars until all this money came in. You know, that used to be the likes of Marseille, Monaco, Leon, you know yeah. what I mean? So, 
let's not let's not you know look at it. and i love that he said that and and a few players actually said that in the interviews last night i don't know whether it's a media briefing or what but they were saying that look we need to start but knowing that we're manchester united and we can't keep being surprised when we beat these teams to be fair because really that this is what's expected of us and i think that's another step in the progression under ollie that actually now the players are not only playing like a good team since we've brought in a few good players but they're also believing more now that they that they're, a, they're that they're a manchester united team if you know what i'm saying the arrogance is back and that is key and that's why yeah. you know, that, that is very yeah. very key the good arrogance is back we are man united you know we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna play and we were fantastic yesterday and, you know I, I have been one to criticize ollie but you have to give credit where it's due. he got it so spot on it was brilliant. That's the best United have played at, in an away leg at a big European club since Sir Alex has gone. If anything, actually, a lot of the times in Sir Alex, Paulie, we were very much smash and grab, weren't we? He would go and play for a draw or to keep it nil-nil, 1-1, one, one, get the away goal. We didn't do that last night. I mean, let's quickly talk about Alex Tellez before we go on to that. But Alex Tellez added a completely new dimension to May night. Small sample size. We need to relax. But if you look at the position maps, you had Shaw playing sort of further up than Lindelof and Axel on the left, almost kind of like a left back when you look at the positioning and, and Tellez all the way on the wing. How much of a, an extra weapon is he now? And what does he add to this United attack? Because we were seeing some very, very promising things yesterday. I'm the wrong person to ask about this because corner kicks aside, Alex Tellez did not impress me. And it was for the same reason I said before was he came he, they get they get the ball down to him and he's just looking like oh right it's Martial it's Rashford booming a crossing isn't gonna work and he either didn't have much to do like he he play a square ball back in and or he boomed the crossing anyway and it was ineffective um, you know the he plays a square you know the square ball comes back and and then Shaw plays the the incisive pass into the box that's how we get a penalty. It's will this change when Cavani comes in? Probably, and then that's a whole different dimension. Like, uh, talk, right... talk to me. Why? Wait one sec. Talk to me. Why he didn't impress you? That's why. Because I it, know, he just didn't. He must have been watching different games. It's it, be, well because he didn't know what to. It didn't look like he knew what to do much or had many ideas other than put a cross in. And with Rashford and Martial, that's not an effective strategy. They're not good at doing that. Now the corner kicks aside, like on the corners. It was like I tweeted this last night. I was like, there's bad delivery, there is good delivery, and then there's what Alex Tellez does. Because, like, we have said, I don't think United aren't scoring from corners because of poor delivery, but oh my God, like that, what, what he was doing was, was next level. And it, it, imagine instead of putting a corner into Martial, Rashford, McTominay, you're putting it into Cavani, Maguire, Pogba. Like, someone is putting, like, he, you tell him where to put the ball. He'll put the ball there, and that's going to change us significantly. The same way that when you put Cavani out there, it'll change us significantly. Like Rashford playing on that as that right forward isn't making any back post runs for these crosses that tell us. So, like, yes, Tell has whipped in some really nice crosses, but like, what do they do? It didn't do anything because we don't have the other players there. So until you get players like that in there, he didn't add much of a dimension for me other than those set pieces. Mark, first, first question well, I want to go, ask. Go at him, Mark. Go at him. First question I want to ask, Imposter Paulie. What have you done with Paulie? 
His name's Paul. I man. mean, if you uh, think that I was going to have any other time, I am the most anti-cross person out there. Crosses are dumb. Crosses are inefficient. I, nah, I, I see what we said when we get tellers. It's, it's a different yeah, look. Man. So it they're doesn't make you one They're inefficient. But, they're inefficient um, when, you have, when you're under David Moyes and you're spamming 75 crosses a game. Yes. They're inefficient yeah. in general. They're inefficient in general. I mean, look, no. who's the be- who are the best crossers in the, in the league? Is Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and um, Kevin De Bruyne. They whip in more crosses than anyone else and in they're the, the two top teams in the league <laughs> but it's it's right but you, why are they able to do that because when it's not successful and their success rate is bad when it's not successful their team wins the ball back right away and gets it what? back to them to another one. Have. i i don't i don't exactly. i don't think the issue here is tellers whipping in beautiful crosses i think the issue here is United need to find a way of getting on the end of those crosses. Exactly. They're Their forwards don't make – like, Rashford doesn't get so, into so those – So, Tellez isn't the problem, then. Right. Tellez is right. doing the job of getting the ball so, in. Right, so so, actually- but, but that doesn't work when you have forwards that we know don't make those runs, which is why I'm saying when Cavani comes, like, it'll be a different story. But, like, yeah. with Rashford and Martial, like, that's not the way to go. And no, no why do they not make those runs? The reason is because they're not used to those crosses exactly. coming in. It's exactly. the first time that they've had someone that can actually do Ma- that. Martial, so, Martial and Rashford can do that. And and there, there have been crosses that have come in. Shaw, not the best at it, but Juan Bissaka has put in a lot of tasty crosses all right, all that right. people just don't make runs for. Don't so compare Juan Bissaka's crosses to yeah. Alex Tavares's crosses. Yeah, no, that, it's a different kettle of fish. Um, I, I, they're not used to these crosses, and I'm sorry, but it, it, this is a look. We've been we've been um, frustrated for a number of years how we can't ever score from uh, set pieces, we can't ever score from corners, and this gives us a totally different dimension. You're absolutely right that you know Cavani is probably more of the striker that's going to be able to get on the end of these things. But I also agree with Kieran, like Rashford and Martial, and and Greenwood have probably not been used to so many crosses going in for years. They might have done really well with David and David Moyes. Yeah, we, we don't know. So I think that it gives you another dynamic. No, in don't the... even like say Moyes is going to do well. No, I'm sorry, that's no, the worst I'm, decision I'm, United just, ever made. I'm just, I'll take, I'll I take mean, LBG for another 100 years. The, the good it, player gets it, quantity it, over quality. Like it, The fact is, like when, when De Bruyne whips in a cross, most of the time it doesn't work, but City win the ball right back and they're able to get it back to him for another. United like, don't get but, those but, kind but, of possessions. Yesterday, though, we were every time we lost the ball, you saw our midfield swarm, and especially in the second half, you saw our team win the ball back really quickly. And you saw at least two or three times there, Alex Tellez making a couple passes in probably three or four times within making within the first cross. So, like, while we didn't used to do that, when you have the personnel that can do it, you have to remember that it takes time to adjust. And if you're a striker that's not used to those crosses coming in and you're used to the ball coming into your feet, you're more likely to do that because it's a habit. But once you know somebody can actually put those balls into the box, well, then you're going to start to see Marcia, Rashford, Greenwood, try and get behind the man. So even if it's not going to go on their head, just the ball right around. The one you kind of see De Bruyne try and tee up for Sterling all the time. It happens. It's the same when you see with Liverpool. You don't see a lot of Liverpool crosses coming into someone's head. It gets around the defence and then it's a tap in for Mane or Salah. So it's the same type of thing that you're going to expect from Tellers. Now that the team know, like you have to remember, he was training for what? 
four or five days maybe or they probably had like two two or three training sessions so that's going to take time but having someone that can do that even if your forwards aren't getting on the end of it it makes the defense have to think of what's coming in behind them and that's what you need it's to a get. different dimension like yeah, i said exactly. i'm excited about what he could bring i didn't think he was spectacular last night but i am excited about what he brings yeah that's fair no, he's not let me bring mark into this guys let me bring mark and then we'll bring joe and then we've got to move on to the midfield yeah. um you know he's had a, a very limited amount of training sessions with us he had a couple of weeks out he's come and gelled right into the team straight away i don't think it was all about the crosses i think it was it was really good to see i was salivating more about corners than i ever have done and also it wasn't just about that i think that you know he, he was getting forward quite a bit he was taking players on um his passing was good um i think the stats probably back that up from last night i think he was i think he was really really good and i was surprised that he came off in in all honesty um but yeah i'm, I'm incredibly excited about him i'm, I'm going to be positive about him I, I don't think he had a bad game at all sorry paulie and um and i think he was i think he was very very good and uh, and you know if you said I, he had a bad game i said i wasn't impressed with him i didn't say he was bad I just, yeah but, that, but that's, that's the equivalent hold on i'm gonna bring joe no, into it's not. no it's not i'm gonna bring joe into it and then we'll move on because we're not gonna have discussion otherwise we'll talk about this for the full hour go on joe you can have the final word in this no one else is gonna chime in after joe's word body him joe body him boys now, now I, I'll be honest. I, I see, but I don't think he. I don't think he had a bad game, and I don't think he had necessarily. Well, in an effect, yeah, I, I agree with what Paul is saying to some extent, but then I agree with everybody else. I know what Paul is saying. He's basically coming and trying to play a game that we don't play. But I think you know, at the end of the day, that's just that's the type of player he is. And I think if you know, we'll be foolish if we, if especially if Tellers is going to be a regular in the team, the team needs to start knowing what Tellers is going to do and getting on the end of what Tellers does, rather than Tellers trying to change it. Because actually, that would be a really effective way for him to score goals. I mean, you look at Liverpool and you look at people like Salah and Mane, and you look at their stature and you think they ain't going to be good for scoring goals from crosses. But like Kieran said, you know. The way that they do get on the end of, you know, crosses from Robertson and Trent Alexander, not necessarily always with their head, but with smart movement in the box and at the back post, they they seem to to finish really well. And you know, I, I think it, like the boys said there. I mean, look, I've been critical in the past of Wambasaka going forward, and actually the num the numbers sort of make me look a bit silly because actually he has had assists and he has, you know, his output in the final third has been better than a lot of people. Think, but I do still think with Juan Bissaka sometimes, I'm not quite sure he knows how it's going to come off his foot when he crosses it, let alone people in the box to sort of predict it. So sometimes with Juan Bissaka, you see him try and whip a cross in. Other times, you'll just drill it along the floor. But what I've noticed in his technique, there's nothing that really gives you a clue to suggest what's coming. And I think it's always going to be difficult for players in the middle to sort of read a Juan Bissaka cross. It used to remind me a little bit of Antonio Valencia. Joe, Joe, let's go back to Tellez. What's yeah. your final word on Tellez? Final word on Tellez, I thought, considering he's only been in a few days, I thought he had a, I thought he did really well, to be fair. I mean, Mark suggests that obviously he was surprised he'd come off to 66 minutes. I'm not, because obviously he's, in terms of, in our team, he's not played that much. He's he obviously had a hectic international break recently, he travelled a lot of miles. So I think it was just about getting some money in the bank for him in terms of in his legs 
last night and you know I thought he did his job and then obviously he was probably a bit of a victim of the formation change and that's fine so I mean I was really impressed considering it was 66 minutes uh, considering yeah. the first game oh yeah got to move on Mark but yeah, last no. thing I'm going to say on Tellez uh, is that I understand what Paul is saying he's saying that he wasn't as amazing as everyone said obviously everyone was getting excited about him but to say that you weren't impressed that might that, that's something that I don't agree with, but that's something we can talk about. I did say corner kicks aside. Like, those corners were impressed. And, like, for that, there's a lot of reason to be excited about him going forward. Okay, what did he do? We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Guys, let's go Because we're comparing him to Brandon Williams, mate. When we played the five, when we played wing-backs in the past, it's been Brandon Williams playing there. So, you can excuse fans for getting a big side because, I mean, he's definitely an upgrade on that for Exactly. Me. 13 million, and he's a good player, so I'm happy. Anyway, guys, midfield, I'll let Paulie come in because... I think he got ravaged in that. Ravaged? Savaged. That sounds really wrong. Savaged in that round. Uh, look, let's talk about the midfield, Paulie, because you look at it on paper and Fred McTominay starting with Bruno. Some people probably were a bit disappointed. They were thinking, where's the creativity going to come from? Talk to me about how impressive you, how impressed you were with um, McTominay and Fred as the engine room in midfield. Yeah, well, that's where th that's my concern when we play the back three is that we lack that like like i said like we're just one offensive player short how impressed am i with fred and mctominay not i they did exactly what i expected them to do and i thought they'd be amazing like that's i was more impressed that mctominay played well against newcastle than i was then the fact that he played well against psg like this was a game for mctominay this is a perfect like role for McTominay. So like we knew, yeah, uh, unfortunately we want to see Pogba out there. We want to see Von de Beek out there, but you knew exactly what they were being asked to do is to be disruptors in midfield. And, you know, when it comes to disrupting PSG and not letting them do what they want to do and, and being a, a, a nuisance in midfield, McTominay and Fred are the two best midfielders that we've got. So yeah, like I thought maybe we'll see Matic or Pogba, you know, but I thought like when I was thinking about all the different ways and, and you saw me in the group chat yesterday, I was, you know, overthinking who would be in the 11 in my mind. I was like, well, you got to get Fred and McTominay onto the pitch here because this is like, this is exactly the game for them. They will thrive in this game. So you're going to twist my words and be like, I wasn't impressed by it, but like I wasn't impressed because I, ex I had such high expectations of them and they reached it. Like they played as well as I expected them to play. I expected them to play this well. All right. So I'm just going to put it out there from what <laughs> I think everybody in the comments are going to think of this. So let's just get this right. Paulie wasn't impressed with Tellas. He wasn't impressed with Fred and he wasn't impressed with McTominay. We're just going to leave that there. Hang on a sec. I'm just going to call the police, uh, make sure they send a search party out for, um, for Paulie. Paulie, yeah. Paulie, you're doing a me. Yeah. I was, because I expected them to play. Like, obviously they were impressive, but like I also expected them to be that good. Like, I'm I not saying they were bad. I, I, they were I very didn't. good, but I expect I don't, I don't them think to that, be that good. I don't think that's true, though, because what were you saying before the Newcastle game when we played It's a Fred different game. It's a, yeah, Fred and McTominay against against teams that want us to have the ball are terrible. That's why I said I was more yeah, impressed that they we played well against Newcastle than against PSG because PSG is the perfect opponent for them. 
It's it, they're per, like it's a different game. Like like we we discussed on the last show. Like when Joe said, "Do we talk about Juan Mata being in the first choice 11? And it's like it depends on the opponent. Some games no, are that, right for him. That, some games true. are. This is a game that was right for McTominay and Fred, which is why I expected them to be very good, and they were. Okay, but if you look at most fans, most fans called Fred their man of the match. I don't think we've seen in many big games where Fred is the one that you're kind of picking out, especially when you have a big Tottenham team. Tottenham last year, uh, Manchester I City at the Etihad last year, Manchester City at home two years ago. I mean, in the big games, Fred comes up game okay, after game after game. He plays, he plays well, but in a lot of those games, there was a lot of good players. And I don't, I can remember last year, there wasn't a lot of people saying, oh, Fred, man of the match, because there's always been a divide over Fred. You look on social media yesterday, and probably between 60 to 70% of people talking about that match were saying just how good he was. To say you weren't impressed because they lived up to what you thought they would do doesn't, I don't think that that's fair on the way that they performed. Because if some, let's just say, if I could say, oh, I wasn't impressed with Rashford because I expect him to score a goal, I don't think that's fair because for him to score a winning goal, you have to say, well, it's an, it's an impressive performance. It's the same thing with if De Gea has an amazing game. Let's go back to years ago when he played against Real Madrid and somehow stopped that shot with his foot. I'm like, I, I expect De Gea, so I wasn't impressed with that. I think it's, I think it's a little bit unfair to how they played. It's but going, going back. I acknowledge that. Like, all right, so impressed is the wrong word because they, I had very high stand. I expected them to play very, very well, poorly, poorly, and, it's, and they did. Poorly. So it's yes, it's impressive, but it's it, it didn't catch me by surprise. That's the better word there. It poorly. did not. So, I was not caught by surprise that like, whoa, they they played really well because I expected them to play very well. But poorly, can I just say something before Kieran goes on, goes in? So this is PSG, the team that finished runners up in the Champions League last season. We were playing away at their ground. We went in as massive underdogs, whether they had injuries or not, that's not the point. They have a manager who's seen as one of the best up-and-coming managers in the world. Our managers, as the press like to build up, they think he's a PE teacher. Our fans think that. They went there. We went there, schooled them off the park. When I said last week I wasn't impressed with the Newcastle victory, you turned around to me and said, enjoy the victory. We've just beaten the runners-up for the Champions League. Whether they are a as good as they were last season or whatever is besides the point. We've gone and beaten a massive European team under Onigolo Solskjaer with a tactical masterclass and you're not that impressed or you expected it. I'm sorry, when I saw that team sheet, I did not expect Fred and McTominay to go and dominate PSG. Simple. I didn't expect Tellez to be whipping in crosses like he was. I didn't expect... Well, 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 like, that's what Tellez is against Mbappe and Neymar. That's, that's, this is a massive victory for Man United considering what's happened over the past seven years. I expect... But like McTominay and Fred didn't, they didn't change possession very well. Like they were very good defensively where they, they had the same deficiencies that they always have in terms of the attack. They, you know, Fred actually did pretty well in getting out on the break. His final ball let him down a few times, which is Fred. Um, but like, who's, first of all, who says I'm not enjoying it? Like I, they played very well, but I did expect them to do that because their job is be a nuisance. Don't let PSG do what they want to do. And that that's exactly what they did. But, and that's as soon as you saw the team sheet, you knew that that's what Ollie was going for. Ollie wasn't going for like, you know, he wanted that industry, which is why he chose Fred and McTominay because oh, they are the two best midfielders we have at doing that job. 
But we didn't sit back. We wasn't just sitting back. I'm going to bring you in now, Mark. It wasn't like we sat back and it was, we sat back like Jose in low block. There was a plan in place. Fred was fantastic getting the ball quickly to Bruno. We know with that midfield, yeah. that was the key. We know with that midfield. We know with Fred and which, Tommy. Which that, he we did know against Manchester City last year. Like He's done this in the big games. Like, yeah, but we didn't dominate we can... against Man City. You saw the possession. We dominated that game. We had 14 shots to their 15. Like We were on par with them all game. We created chances. We, we, were, were, we were comfortable. And yeah, we, we were, were comfortable. better. All right, first of all, First of all, the, the Derby at Old Trafford last year is probably the best performance that Solskjaer's team put out. And it, they they did dominate that game. They held City to like five or six shots. Um, we had 39% possession last night. So, like, let's not say we dominated the ball. Like, they did exactly what they, what they did, like, because that's exactly the role that Solskjaer had for them. And, that, and he planned around that, and they have done that before. They they were very good at the Etihad last year. They were very uh, – Fred was very good at, at Old Trafford, and, and that's the key is they get the ball out quick in these games, and that's why we're able to run and counter. Like, and they press in the middle of the field. Like, we don't we didn't sit back, but we pressed very much in the middle of the field. So, like – and we were very condensed. Like, we the, def, the defense and the midfield were very condensed. So, it wasn't like we were sitting back. We weren't conceding the territory, but – like we were defending and looking to break on them. Like we were letting them cross midfield and then saying, okay, now we're going to trap them and attack them. And when you want to play like that, Fred and McTominay are the two best players we have to play like that. Um, I thought they were brilliant last night. And let's not be, you know, um, Scotty had one contact lens out for all the game, most of the game. So fair play to him. No, on a serious note, I thought they were both very good. I, I think that when we saw the team sheet, as you've all said, um, we didn't really expect that. But I thought Scott was was great. He was strong. He was quick. They, you know, they, they were both workhorses. You know, as soon as they lost the ball, if they did at any point, they, they were, you know, going straight back at them. And you've got, they were against players like Mbappe, and Neymar that going forward, you know, trying to catch up with them, it's going to be a nightmare. And they were brilliant. And and I think we're always a bit concerned um, about about those two playing together. You know, normally on paper, they're, they're not particularly good com- uh, complementing each other. But last night was, was, was surprising. And I think it was good to see. It was really good to see. And again, it gives, it gives us a another you know everyone stepped up and it gives us a real sort of food for thought on and who we can play in that midfield and perhaps we couldn't be, we don't need to be so reliant on Matic and you know it's just as surprising as any other day really but I thought Fred was really good going forward it's the first time I, I know he's had some good games and he's and he's been quite sort of forward with with the ball but I thought last night was the first time I've seen that in such a long time uh, he, he was good at retrieving the ball and he was very good at sort of pushing forward and giving it straight to Bruno. That was really, really good to see. And, it, and as I said, um, you've got to take these positives and, and work on it. And, and hopefully that gives Oli going forward a real problem. Uh, I thought they were brilliant. I thought the midfield was great. I really did. I, I, I was surprised by the starting lineup, but by the end of it, I was very, very proud of them. I thought they did a brilliant job. Mute. Hey, I've got to 36 minutes, guys. I've done all right. I think one contact lens or not, Mark. I don't think you can miss Neymar's head, can you? So I don't think that's an issue, really. So, <laughs> and that's obviously who Scott was after. I, I think Paulie agrees with everything you said, Mark. I think he agrees with that. I think he knows that Fred and McTominay did all those things great. 
Where I disagree with Paul is his expectation before the game. I didn't. I don't expect that of Fred and McTominay. And no. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and and slam these players or because that's not what I do. I you know I support Fred and McTominay as much as my favourite player in the team. But I'll be honest with you, you know, for for example, Fred. Sometimes I don't have any confidence in him churning out a performance unless he's had five games under his belt. So, you know, he's coming to this one. I know he played against Newcastle, so he'd had that game sort of used as a bit of a warm-up. But, you know, this is the second game coming in and back-to-back. And obviously, sometimes it takes him a few games to get going. And Scott McTominay recently, I think I said in the group chat, you know, tackling and breaking play-ups seemed to be, be, was his thing. You know, that was what he, we sort of sort of based himself on he'd become an, an enforcer in midfield but this season I felt he's, he's, in the few games we've seen him in and towards the end of last year I think he was missing tackles he, he was sort of half a yard he just seemed to be half a yard off the pace not quite making those tackles so I, I know what you're saying Paul that, that that's their job and that's the kind of game that they do but I don't I don't think, I mean, we all see players differently and we watch games differently. But I think towards the end of last season, beginning of this season, I'd not seen enough in them to to think that they could deliver what we all know they can deliver. And that's where the problem is for me. I don't think their form's been particularly great. But I think if they were on top form, I totally agree with Paulie. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, if they were playing well, that's what we expected them. But I was surprised because more because not because that's why that's what they do, but because that's not really how they've been playing, if that makes sense. But, but those are also different games. Like when you're playing against the likes of Brighton and Sheffield and, and everybody, like you're they're gonna play differently. And and the way that they play doesn't suit McTominay and Fred. Yeah, we agree with that though. But the point so, is we're talking so when about they, when where you're they playing played a game. Yesterday. Yeah, the because they that's was, was they fantastic. are very because they're yeah they're fantastic and you guys are making a huge deal about like that uh, you know the word impressed like if if I if you go and watch Usain Bolt run the 100 meters right now like are you going to be impressed when he does it in 10 seconds like yeah, that's a really impressive either, feat like, that's a really impressive yes. feat but like <laughs> yes. you also expect him to do that now, so I, like, look I, I I know what you're saying Paulie but. Defensively, even if they are good defensively, they haven't been good defensively when they played for us. I don't think, anyway, in my opinion. But, like, but they haven't been playing against teams, against midfielders and things that are running at them and 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 having the the dominant share of possession. Like the last time that they that Fred did that was Manchester City. I think uh, you, Paulie. I think you. Maybe your expectations were higher for those players than all of us because I did not expect them to play that they, well. They I know, clearly were. As, as I know they can. Saying. I know they can play like that. I know that they're capable of, especially. In, I exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. When we play teams that will have more of the possession, we meant, meant to keep compact, tight. We're meant to be physical in midfield, cover the ground, be disciplined. Those two are the two perfect players to bring in. You don't want to be playing Paul Pogba in there. We don't know about Van der Beek yet. Matic possibly could do it, but he need legs around him. I understand that completely. But the most impressive thing, and Kieran, I'm going to bring you in here, though. most impressive thing was I thought how quickly they were getting the ball to Bruno. Bruno had more of a free role. And that was what impressed me. We all know, and we've said many times, Scott McTominay, I don't like them playing together because of the fact that when they look forward, the passing, their passing ability isn't good enough for me. But how quickly got the ball to Bruno, and Bruno was given the opportunity to play that free role, Kieran, that was very impressive, wasn't it? I mean, Bruno looked back to his better form now, didn't he? Yeah, and I guess one of the reasons that you have that is there was a lot more space for him to operate in yesterday. You saw that he was able to pick those pockets where he knew he was going to have kind of a little bit extra time on the ball to kind of send it through. It also helped in the fact that PSG, in terms of 
when they were attacking, you saw kind of their fullbacks push up and they weren't quick enough to get back. The amount of two-on-ones that we had against PSG, you normally don't get that against a big team. Even when we play against the likes of City, Chelsea, Liverpool, while you can catch them on the counter-attack, you don't get as many chances as we did. Now, at the end of the day, we were... We are lucky that we got that second goal because we wasted some amount of chances in that game that really we should have scored. And I think a lot of us had the same feeling is that how are we still drawing with about 10 minutes to go because we had so many easy chances that we should have put away that we didn't. But again, I think that still has to go to the fact that how well the team performed, that they were the ones that really looked like the team that were going to score. And you have to give it to Fred and McTominay. I think In games like this, it works because you have Fred that can be more aggressive in trying to break up the play. And also, he's a lot quicker with his passes than McTominay is. But then McTominay is one that is fine with dropping in deep. He does it for Scotland all the time when they play five at the back. So he's used to that game. So that's why it works. But also, you have to give credit to the manager that when we needed something different, because after we conceded that goal, we started to let PSG come on to us a little bit more and we changed it. I, I think I said it in the group at the time is we need to be able to control the ball more in midfield because we stopped doing that for about a good 10 minutes or so. He changed it, puts Pogba on, and then I think we probably dominated the last half or the last kind of quarter of that game. Yeah. And was the reason why we won the game in the end because Solskjaer changed the shape halfway through that second half when we were under pressure and we were able to control the ball with Pogba coming on and you saw us create chance after chance because there was so much space for between the midfield and the strikers for us, which normally we don't get. And if you do that against United, if we were playing as well as we did post-lockdown, we probably would have scored four goals in that game because of the amount of times that we wasted chances like when do you see Rashford go up when he has Martial with him a two-on-one and it not even really come into having a shot on goal doesn't ha- it didn't happen that often towards the end of the season last year we're lucky yeah. that we got away with it um yesterday but again I think that needs to improve if we're going to continue on in the competition in my opinion we'll, we'll touch on that later Kieran about the forwards I agree yeah. with Mark I'm going to bring you in on Bruno, because I know that you were very, very keen to see him captain. And then I'll come to Paulie and Joe for a question. Um, yeah, just just on the back of quickly what Kieran said, um, I hope that this dispels any um, talk about Ollie not having tactics, because I think he's shown there have been times when he's he's not been brilliant, but with games like last night and we've seen many times before it was brilliant and he and he was able to do things perfectly i haven't seen a perfectly run game by a manager for united for a little while to be honest i know ollie's done it a few times but that in a, in a while that was it was brilliant um and for bruno as well um i don't think it's a foregone conclusion for Bruno to to be captain obviously Harry's our captain but I don't think he takes it for granted I don't think he's complacent about it I think he was obviously we've all seen the 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 video of him sort of getting it the other day and he only found out in the press conference and he looked you know quite sort of happy and surprised but I think he did a a great job he was very you could hear him all the time he was very vocal on the pitch last night I think that was obviously helped by no crowd noise but I think he I think he was I think we saw 
you know him at his very best the link up was brilliant um and and he was he was excellent um and it was really good to see I, i'm really really pleased for him he's one of those players like he's obviously been our best player since january you want to see him continue that and you want him to sort of take those chances by the scruff of the neck and i think he was he was brilliant and i think that it also means that we do have leaders in the team we probably need more but when harry's out of it then um for whatever reason then we have someone else on the pitch that can do that he was very vocal and he, and he kept everyone ticking along and doing their jobs properly he was brilliant really really good yeah, well said. I think he uh, he really stepped up and he doesn't shirk from responsibility and that's very, very important. You know, we need more than just one leader in the team and Bruno epitomizes everything I want to see from a Manchester United captain, his attitude, yeah. his work rate. He never hides. Like I said, he doesn't shirk any responsibility. I want that and look, I'm not going to debate whether Maguire um, should be captain or not, but I was very, very impressed. Joe, I'm going to bring you in before I go to Paulie, then we'll move on to the forwards. As uh, Kieran said, we had our backs against the wall and... When Tellez went off, we were all a little bit puzzled. I think in hindsight, it was the right decision, but we needed to regain so, you know, some composure and control in midfield. And Paul Pogba came on, created the most chances, by the way, in that short 22 million spell, uh, 22 million, 22 minute spell. Um, it was about three chances, I think. And he got the assist for Rashford's goal. Paul was fantastic when he came on, wasn't he? And now Oli's got a problem because there's still Van der Beek. There's options finally. And that's really great to see, isn't it? Joe, you're on mute. Joe. Paul, sorry, mate. I'm I'm so good at that. Paul Pogba's performance for me was 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 an interesting one. And to be fair, that's twice we've seen that this season. Now I think didn't he come on against Brighton in the Carabao Cup for a 20 minute spell? I think didn't he towards the end and played a nice little cameo. It's almost as if it suits him, sort of thing. Not suggesting that that's the way we should use Paul Pogba going forward, but I do think I, I don't know. He, he said to come on, and I, I, I think Paul probably one of them players you can see when he fancies it, can't you? And I can remember him picking up the ball quite early on, and he was sort of galloping around and even looking to make a run into the box at one stage. I'm thinking, here we go. But I think he sat on the side there and seen a game that's there for the taking, and he'll enjoy that playing against against other players who are sort of planet players, if you know what I mean, like Neymar's and the Mbappe's. You know, the chance for Paul probably to be on the field against those and, and pick up a W, I think is something that sort of, excites him and I think he gets a lot off that and I think um you know it's interesting that that he does that he does this when he comes on because like I say I've noticed I've noticed it a few times now actually when he comes into games he does look really good and I, I and it it's a strange one I can't really put my finger on it like I say it's not something that I would want us to utilize going forward I don't feel, I, I don't see Paul Pogba as somebody I want to be using for the last 20 minutes of a game but how am I what an option and while we're talking about Pogba and options our bench just looked so much better than theirs last night which is also interesting considering when have we said that as well Joe yeah exactly. only six weeks ago we looked at our bench and we yeah. looked Oli looked over against Sevilla and you thought Igalo obviously Matters has a bit of renaissance Dan James although Dan James you know he gets a lot of stick but he does yeah. have value at but times you can bring him on it's not even about the quality hater it, it was the options in terms of the versatility that was on the bench he could have changed that game in a number of ways only yesterday you know he, he could have changed it up in a way from an attacking point of view he had the options there he, he had options if he needed to shore it up at some point he, he just had options to give him that versatility and it's nice for him to, i would imagine it's nice for us as fans to be able to see ollie look round at his bench now and be like i can make substitutions and I can do things to affect the game. And I think he used to get criticised, didn't he, obviously, towards the end of last season, beginning of the season, for not utilising his bench. 
But we've, we've had this argument, is that Oli or is it just the lack of options he's got on there? Now he's got the options on there. We've seen him make some substitutes and to good effect. Yeah, I agree. Paulie, I'm going to bring you in on Pogba. I thought Pogba was fantastic when he came on as well. He looked sharp. I think people criticise Oli for uh, not dropping Pogba. And then when they do, when he does drop Pogba, people criticise him for doing that. You can never win. But looking at our midfield, I'm just going to ask you just to quickly answer this before we move on to the forwards. Looking at that midfield for the weekend, would you be sticking or would you be twisting? Both. I'd, I'd stick with Fred and McTominay because that uh, this is a game for them. I would also bring Pogba in and I would move uh, move Bruno over to the right and have him play like Mata. And between, uh, you know, like the way we saw Mata playing against Newcastle last week where he was constantly dropping into midfield and, and he'd pass the ball and then Bruno would drop into midfield and he'd give the ball to Bruno and then Mata would run forward or Bruno would give the ball to Mata and Bruno would run forward. And you could do that with Pogba and Bruno and they will both very much be involved. I mean, if you look at Bruno's touch map from last week, he barely touched against Newcastle. He barely touched the ball in the middle of the field. He was, it was either down the right side or down the left side. So I don't understand like when people get up scared about removing him from the number 10 role, but you, you just saw what Pogba did as this, and, and you could also turn it into like a, you know, yesterday we played, everybody said it was like the diamond. It was more of like a rhombus. Um, you know, Fred and McTominay were more flat and it was, it was a bit of a box, but yeah. You're like, such a but you could do that. You could do that <laughs> with the two of them, with the two of them uh, on Sunday and give them the freedom. And, and like uh, Osoko just pointed out in this comment, like, Pog was beautiful to watch. Like he had less defensive responsibilities and all of a sudden you're seeing him play great. So, yeah, keep Fred and uh, McTominay in there because they'll be great to disrupt what Chelsea want to do. And then you have Pogba and you have Bruno and they'll have the freedom to move around. And I think it could be very effective. So how would you how would you incorporate all four of them? Would you play four at the back in a diamond? Or yeah, I'd play fourth. I'd play four at the back and I'd play. Um, I'd probably bring in Dan James on the left on the left wing because um, he's very good at track. He's very good at tracking back, which will help out um, the defense. Because then you could bring in Tellez and play at the back, so Dan James can bring it back. He's very good on the counter, which is what you want to do against Chelsea. They're very vulnerable to counters. Yeah. Um, because also, like you, you, uh, you know, Martial can't play, so it's Rashford. Cavani hasn't played in since March. Like, are you going to trust him to play ninety minutes? No. Uh, Greenwood's not that great on the break, so. That's how you you probably want to start and then change things up as as it goes along, um, and play Bruno on the right wing in this in the Mata role where he's playing really as like an additional midfielder and rotating with the number ten, which is Pogba. And so at times you'll see him as the number ten, and you'll see Pogba dropping into midfield, and at times vice versa. Well, let's move on to the attackers. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I can see Paulie's reasoning, but we can uh, we can maybe talk about that at the end. If we've got a little bit of time, we're running out. Guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe and share, as you can see the bottom right-hand corner of the screen and our new third kit sort of background. But um, Mark, I'm going to come to you. Kieran mentioned it a little bit earlier about Rashford. Now, I tweeted out about Rashford. I said he was wasteful, but the thing that I was most impressed with was the mentality to still keep on going and to make, I guess, the, the winning contribution like he did in the, in the fashion that he did. I thought he was fantastic. I thought him and Martial both played well, but I think what concerns me a little bit with our attack is that I don't feel like they're anywhere near 
hitting top form. I can't see any... I can't see one of our strikers at the moment. Obviously, Martial, as Paulie says, out for the Chelsea game. But I feel like they haven't quite hit their form yet and we might still struggle to score goals. The goals look like they might come from midfield a little bit more. Is that a concern for you or am I just being, um, you know, sort of, I guess, negative? Well, I think it's probably a worry. But, I mean, Rashford, four weeks ago, we were saying, or even before, after lockdown and four weeks ago, we were saying how poor he was being how he wasn't getting enough goals and that's that's not the case now you know he scored a few goals over the last few weeks and I think that's a good problem to have if someone's not hit top top gear yet and they're scoring still I think that's a great problem to have um Martial is a bigger problem for me um obviously he's had a couple of games out and he looked a little bit looked a little bit labored last night um, he's probably gonna have a little bit of a knock to the confidence because of the own goal it's just one of those unfortunate things isn't it um, but yeah, got I mean, the assist, uh, got the assist, so he did well. That's it. PSG didn't score all that attacking talent, they didn't score one goal, so that's you know, says it all. But, um, yeah, I think Martial, I think he knows what he's got to do. Ollie will have his back and, and nurture him again into finding his form and confidence. Um, but no, I think for me, I think that was the only negative I, I sort of said about last night. I feel Rashford. He's got moments of brilliance, and that's what you want from a player. You want a bit like Bruno, you know, can have a bad game and then have have something out of nothing. But I feel that his um, decision making isn't the best. There were a number of times when, you know, it was two on one, as you mentioned. He he had sort of Marcel to the left of him on two occasions, and and he decided to utilise it, which is a very unselfish thing to do. And nine times out of ten, it would probably work. But on those those two occasions, it didn't. He should have just gone for goal. And we'd probably be two nil up at the time, or one, you know, two one up at the time, even earlier. Um, but no, I don't, I don't, it is a worry. It is a worry. But um, you know, we've we've got Greenwood to come back. We've now got Cavani that will start at some point soon, and and um, that that will come. I think that just needs strikers is very much about confidence isn't it and I think that you know Rashford's had a good few weeks and he's still growing in confidence and and I think that we will see that as as the season progresses he'll, he'll pick it up and Martial too he's had a disappointment a few weeks he's obviously not playing the Premier League for another two games but when he's back hopefully he can he'll find some form again and if we're scoring goals even without them then that's cool that's absolutely fine with me yeah come I agree to a certain point I thought Martial was worse than Rashford yesterday yeah while we weren't being clinical, at least Rashford was creating chances and making those runs in behind. I don't think Martial did it. A couple of times he he was good at dribbling past a few players, but then his shots were going all over the place. You never really had the confidence that he was going to score last night. Well, he scored the own goal, but it'd be nice to see him do that in, for a corner for us. But like, I, I just feel like there's something missing with Martial. Even at the start of the season, like, I just don't think that he's been the same as what we saw last year. He's he's not where I gave him a lot of credit post lockdown is that he was the first one that was organizing the press from the attack, which Solskjaer likes. I don't think that he's been as aggressive as he was with that at the start of the season. I don't know if it's fitness. I don't know if it's that Solskjaer has now asked somebody else to do it, but where we saw Marcia create quite a lot of chances was him actually break up the play pretty early. We saw it in some of the Europa League games towards the end of the season. Um, we saw it in some of the games 
where we dominated in post-lockdown, but I don't think we've seen that from Martial, and I don't know if it's just down to he doesn't have the fitness to do it for 90 minutes yet, or if it's the match sharpness or what's going on, because he doesn't look the same right now. And even though neither one of the strikers were clinical last night, at least you could see Rashford was creating chances and he was always an option. Like if if you were asking halfway through that first half, who's more likely to score between Marcia and Rashford, I think it would be obvious that it was going to be Rashford because he was the one that was actually getting in behind, trying to create chances. I, I wasn't impressed with Martial. For me, the only thing he really did was win the penalty. Like, obviously, he... like he. It's unfortunate what happened to him for the own goal. That can happen to anybody. His body position was wrong for it, but it happens. The re- I think Rio probably... I think he said it last night that he's probably in that position because he's not great at marking at defence uh, or for corners. So that's probably why he's put in that position. But he needs to be a little bit stronger there to make sure that the header's going the right direction. But attacking-wise, I think he needs to improve. And bringing in players like Cavani can only do that because it's the same reason we say with De Gea what he's done well is because Dean Henderson's come in. I always say iron sharpens iron, so the better players you get in, it just it makes it a lot better. And if we are planning on playing with these split strikers, it means that you can rotate between Greenwood, Cavani, uh, Martial and Rashford and give them all that break that they'll probably need. And for me, I think that's a good way to move forward if that's the most obvious kind of formation, whether we play five at the back or the 4-2-2-2. I think it probably is very beneficial for all of our um, attackers right now so we don't have to see what happened towards the end of post-lockdown where they're all gassed by the end of the season. Yeah, fantastic points. Joe, Kieran mentions Cavani. Martial probably does have to pick up his form. I think, again, it's just, yeah, he's just not quite at the races yet. Maybe it's fitness. He doesn't... What I liked about him after the lockdown, as Kieran said, was that he seemed to have the bit between his teeth. He seemed like he really, he was really trying. I'm not saying he's not trying now. It's he's. All, I'm not going to judge him on the way he walks around and stuff because that doesn't mean anything. Dimitar Berbatov was one of the most beautiful players I've ever seen, but he played with a languid style. People say the same about Pogba. You just look at the, the statistics. He works hard as anyone else, if not more. So I don't want to talk about that. But Martial is not showing that same fire and that that determination I want to see from my number nine, you know, who's leading the line of Man United. Cavani will do that in spades. We all know that Cavani will run himself in the ground, whether he's 33 years old and he's had injury problems, he will put a shift in. I'm not saying Martial hasn't put a shift in, but my thing with Martial is that he seems like, he seems like he's too comfortable. He's looking behind him. Who's after him? It's Igalo. We know that Cavani is going to take some time, but we could see a situation where could Martial lose his position as the number nine for Man United if he doesn't start banging in some goals and, showing a bit more of, the, of this game that we know he can do. Joe. Joe. He could lose his position, yeah. I mean, I think someone's putting me on mute because I definitely didn't do it there. Now, I think, you know, he could definitely lose his position, but I don't think he'll ever, like, become, like, out of the team completely. There's just too many games, isn't there? And I think that's the other thing. Sometimes players know they're going to get games in particular because of the schedule and things like that. I, I agree with Kieran. The own goal is something that could have happened to anyone, to be honest. I, I get that. But what I will say is that, actually, I think that's a really underrated position 
at a corner, that front post area at the corner is becoming a more and more crucial position. And it's no, you know, Newcastle, Shearer used to do it in Newcastle, Van Persie used to do it well for us at United, I think Teddy Sheringham used to defend the near post. And actually, you have to do it really well. It's not a case, some people say, well, he's just there because he's not very good at man marking. Well, that's fine. But also, you do need to do a job there. You need to be switched on. And I'm not sure he's the most concentrated player for that position because that's one position where you do have to be concentrated and make sure you're in the right place. Lukaku and, was uh, terrible at it. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, a lot of goals used to go in off Lukaku at corners, the you know, ball would be kicked against him. He just got in the way more than anything. And I think that's happening with Martial. I'm not going to point to the red card against Spurs because that was, you know, he was aggravated for that. That's, but again, you know, he was stood on the near post there as well. But I just think, you know, in terms of going forward, yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of a worry with him because I think he's a reflection on the team. He's gloriously inconsistent, isn't he? You know, and it's a bit like a reflection on the team. And the forwards are like that. Rashford's the same. Very kind of streaky, I feel, and, and sort of in and out of form. And, and that, there was an interesting chat with, with if, if any of you watched the BT Sport coverage last night, about, you know, drawing comparisons now with Rashford and Mbappe. And what's the difference? Obviously, Rashford was on the winning team last, you know, last night. But the difference, you know, they've got all the same attributes. The pacey, you know, they've got the ability. Mbappe's technique but, is streets ahead. Yeah, but the other, yeah, but the other thing though is, is when Mbappe gets the ball, the only thing in his mind is to go for the goal and to shoot. He's got a selfish streak that makes him so good and so prolific. Whereas I feel that Rashford, when he gets the ball. His first thought in his mind is an assist, making a goal for somebody else. And I think if he wants to become, and he's going to have to score lots of goals in this formation for United, he, he's not going to be a creator in this team. He's going to have to score. Then I think he needs to become a little bit more selfish-minded as well. And I think his mentality and how he looks at the game. And like Rio said last night, Mbappe is a type of guy, when he gets the ball, he's a type of player, gets you off your seat, you're wondering what's going to come next. With, Mar with Marcus, there's just not quite that excitement. And yes, the form's gone a little bit, but actually I think it's a bit more now about how Rashford moves his game on to the next level. And I think that's the next step he needs to take now. He wants to score goals and he needs to look at the likes of even Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney wasn't prolific when he first came to United, but he, he then developed a way of finding space in the box, scoring ugly goals. That's exactly what Real Ferdinand said. Like you've got to score ugly. And he doesn't yeah. do that. And yeah. neither does yeah, Martial. I think that's how he takes his game on to the next level, playing in this formation, especially if we're only going to play two strikers. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with everything said. That's a great way to end that topic. Guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We're just going to touch quickly two minutes each on the Euro Super League proposal. So I'm just going to run through a few of the points that I got from reading it uh, today. There's a really great article in The Guardian if anyone wants to read more about it. I can't remember. Uh, who it's by but definitely take a look so the plans are for a lucrative breakaway european premier league sorry league involving top premier league sides jp morgan have been asked to seek financing for the new competition it will be 18 teams no promotion and no relegation liverpool and united are leading this um and their the financing apparently is going to be about 4.6 billion that's what uh, they're seeking essentially billionaire billionaires out of control just trying to if this is my opinion trying to it's about money isn't it trying to basically ring fence their power make sure that they keep their competitive 
I guess, what's the word, competitive edge over the others. And it's about money. You get 50 million if you're in the Champions League. You get 150 million if you're in this league. Paul, I'm going to come to you first. What's your view on this? It seems to me that they're very much trying to franchise it in the American model. A European Super League was always inevitable. Like, if not in five years, in 10, in 15, in 20. I was reading some a conversation between people yesterday that was very interesting where it's, you know, we're, we're starting the conversation at this, at this point of like, of basically the, the football, the English pyramid system needs saving. And, and that's where the, and like, why are we starting the conversation there? It's, it's just the ideal. It's the tradition. And that's, that's really it. But like the, the football pyramid had been dying anyway. And like, you know, they got an influx like, and then the, like the ship sailed basically is what they were saying. The ship sailed in 1992 when the Premier League was founded. And, the you know it's you you probably better off with project big picture but like that's because you need that you need that money and like you're not going to get the teams at the top to bail you out and give you that money without giving up substantial something in return so if that's not their plan then they're going to go to a close super it's just inevitable it's like we said last week it's the one thing all billionaires have in common is their desire to make money and keep and make more money and when they see an opportunity to make money they're going to do it yeah, I agree with that. I don't know how anyone can probably disagree with that. We've got owners in our in our game, especially the Premier League, who are all about all about money. We just have to look at United. Just have to look at like, Arsenal. Let's not, let's not pretend that Barcelona and Juventus haven't been pushing for this too. Of course, Bayern Munich were the first ones to push the proposal two years ago, and uh, now United and Liverpool are pushing it because of the fact that Project Big Picture got rejected. So, what do we expect? I'm going to come to you, Mark. Uh, on this, what is your view on it? Because I think Paulie hits the nail on the head. People say, "Oh, it's 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 ridiculous," but I don't I don't know why anyone's surprised. This has been in the works for years. Yeah, I don't know why anyone's surprised. I mean, essentially, I just feel it's reinventing the wheel. Essentially, um, it seems like a huge amount of greed. I think it will destroy um, football as we know it. I think there will be a lot of teams that that will suffer from this especially from lower league teams i mean what was the whole point of going with project big picture with you know money to lesser clubs and then we're throwing this in which is completely going to blow them out of water um i think that it's gonna you know even for the teams that are not invited or not part of it or you know the teams that are affected there's there's so many millions billions of fans that will be affected by it and it just seems like a waste of, well it's in their eyes it's not a waste of time because they're going to make a lot more money and it's typical that it's it's you know uh, uh, liverpool and united that uh, are greedy bastards and want to make more money you know so um it's just a, it's a shame and I, and you know we've got we've got the champions league it works well you know people have got something to strive for people have got a benchmark to to hit every year and and to me it's just i think it's as I said, reinventing the wheel, and I think it's it's a, a waste of time that's gonna that's gonna allow other clubs to suffer. The Champions yeah, League is perfect, but like the World Cup was perfect, and FIFA's gone and ruined that. It's it's always money and the opportunity to make more of it. It's gonna happen. Uh, anyone that I mean, Jonathan's disagreeing completely in the comments, saying how is this inevitable? Who thought the Premier League would become the Premier League? what 20 30 years before that no one did at the end of the day this has been spoken about i can remember this has been spoken about nearly a decade ago when i was what 15 years old i remember this idea of european super league now is the perfect time to do it when pretty much the world is 
falling apart financially and the, the the money men have seen an opportunity and people are desperate as as paul you said the football pyramid is dying there's clubs like barry uh, i believe barry actually is it barry that someone's reopened or uh, refinanced as a new club it might, it might be mansfield or macclesfield or something like that but anyway there's clubs that are on the brink or they're gone Mackle. yeah macclesfield that's it joe i'm going to bring you into this uh, uh what do you what's your view on this i mean come on let's let's be on it i don't know what to say really to this apart from the fact that i'm just not surprised that our club are involved in it because you know who our owners are you've took me by surprise there mate. i'm normally last now i i think um for, for me mate it's what what's your interest is your interest manchester united or is your interest english football because i think if this happens i think slowly but surely english football english football dies for me a little bit you know it it can't it just won't exist the same it can't and it'll be it'll be the money going to money won't it so the clubs that are already rich will get richer and and that's the way it that's the way it'll be i think the other the other thing to point out here that we haven't really touched on is what about the match going fans you know I, i'm a, i'm fortunate enough to go to games regularly this will hinder those type of fans a lot especially if you look at I mean, obviously, it's not. Hopefully, by the time this is established, the world's a better place. We're coronavirus-free, but you know, there there is a situation where it's going to be more expensive for fans to go to games, and and there'll be less and less games that certain fans will be able to go to, me included. And I just think that that's something else. I mean, the fans get forgotten about, and and all of a sudden, like, how how is it that United, especially given the last sort of seven years, how are they in one of the top European leagues in the world as well? Like, how have our performances merited that we become part of this European Super League? You know, because yeah, I know I know why we're there, I'm to, but I'm just saying that's what I mean. It's all based on money. Where I watch football because we see people. We like to see teams and players rewarded for good performances, don't we? And that's the beauty of promotion and relegation. Over 38 games or 46 in the championship, you get promoted. Over 38 games, you get relegated or you win a league. The, the table don't lie. And I just think if you take promotion and relegation out of it as well, like how's, you know, nobody's, it, there's, there's just nothing to sort of, you can finish bottom of that and what you'll be in it next year. I, there has to be consequence and reward for for performances whichever way you you look at it yeah kieran i'm gonna give you the final word i agree with that look what i will say to, against that uh, joe is that we can't just take what we've seen in the last seven years and say oh united been back united are one of the powerhouses and they rightly should if this does happen they are one of the clubs who should be one of the first ones on the list uh, they should be there um i'm gonna bring kieran in for the final word give me a wax lyrical speech about why this shouldn't happen, or maybe if you think it should, the floor is yours, go. I think this has been inevitable, very similar to what Polly said. Not some, I can remember when, probably back in 2002, 2003, people do realize that the reason why there's preseason tournaments right now is because they tried to bring something like this in before and it didn't work out or it didn't get enough backing. This has been on the cards for the past 15 to 20 years. It's always been something that the big clubs have wanted because people wanted a big, um, the all these big games happening. In the Champions League, while we say it's great, we don't get, we don't always get the fixtures we want to see. 
We don't always get those big sides meeting each other. How many times have we complained in the last couple of years that City have had the easiest path to a semi-final or a final or the same way at Liverpool on certain years? People want to see the best teams actually play each other. The way the Champions League is set up, it stops that. We used to have it in the Champions League when there wasn't any kind of um, bars from who could play who. When you had teams that were in the same league that could play each other. But now there's so many rules with the way it's drawn that it actually stops the good teams from meeting each other until pretty far in the competition. And then if there's a surprise, you get semi-finals like we had last season like who would have thought that Leipzig or Leon were one of the better teams last year they weren't it's just the way it worked out um so this is something that's always for me has always been on the cards for big clubs of course they're going to want to do this it makes them more money it if they're sticking with their own domestic leagues as well Liverpool and Man United are the teams that come out the best. They make all this money from this European league. They make all the money from the Premier League. And then they basically get to push ahead of everybody else. So it's obvious why these teams want it. Does it ruin football? Probably. But look, like Polly said, FIFA ruined the World Cup. I personally think that UEFA ruined the Champions League when they moved it from two groups to one because I liked seeing more teams play each other. I liked when you got to see one tough group then after another, it made it so much more difficult when United had to win in 99. I think people forget like just the row that they went, they went into. Now, if you get an easy group and you get a easy enough last 16 draw, you're in a quarterfinal pretty straightforward. So for me, I don't care really. It's for me, I like watching big football games, UEFA, FIFA, whoever it is, are going to do what they want. So whether it's the Champions League, whether it's the new, the project big picture, whether it's um, this new European league, for me, the better games that we get to see our club be in is, is what I want to see. I'm there as a fan, whether it's the Champions League or it's something else. Look, I'm a football romantic as well. I love watching the Champions League with that music. But again, things are always going to change. We've seen it with the World Cup and it's going to be crappy the way they've moved it on. But I think we're just going to have to live with it and try and enjoy and get the positives from it if it happens that we're going to see more of the top teams actually play each other in a meaningful competition. We don't see that often enough in my in my opinion. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to end. Yes, Paulie, I agree with you. I'm a Glazer puppet. Um, no, what I will say on this, because uh, apparently I've been accused of having a, an agenda, and to the to the gentleman or whoever it was that who is no longer able to take part in our streams, I hope you find another channel that you can watch on a regular basis. What I will say on this, I think it's absolutely disgusting. I do not want to see this happen. I know exactly why the owners are doing this, why they're spearheading it. It's obvious to everyone. I love the Champions League. It's fine the way it is. I have no issue with us playing smaller sides because you know what? That's what it's about. These sides get to play on the biggest stage. You know, people like, um, what's that club called? Paulie 
Ferenc Varos, who I've never heard for before in my life. The one that Something plays, like that. Mitch yeah, Barcelona. Yeah, all these clubs. I think it's Astana, like, you know, any club that comes out of qualifying. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to stay as the Premier League. I want it to stay as the Champions League. I love the Premier League the way it is. It's just a way, obviously, of securing your elitism, which is wrong for me. So if anyone thinks I've got an agenda, not at all. I think it's disgusting. I don't like bro Project Big Picture either. Keep the Champions League the way it is. Keep the Premier League the way it is. I love the Premier League. I love the way I love playing, you know, week in, week out in our own, in, you know, in, in Britain, etc. I love yeah. that. It's so important to me as well, because you know what? At the end of the day, we took for granted, especially myself, what it was like to win the Premier League. And the next time we win the Premier League, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. I never want to see that change. Yeah. I don't want to see, yeah, and now it's going to be a big party. I don't want to see Bar play Barcelona every week. I don't care. It makes it special. The fact that we get to play Barcelona once yeah. or twice every couple of years, that's special. Uh, so for me, it's just absolute nonsense. Um, has anyone got? Has anyone got any final words? One person. I'm going to choose Joe. Oh, sorry. I, I just want to say quickly. It, just because the big teams play each other, it doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to be a great game. We've we've seen so often in like even in the latter stage, we've seen tasty two leg tie. I remember Real Madrid playing Barcelona in a semi final. I think two legs a few years ago. Uh, That's not fair. That was Mourinho who set yeah. out to like but, make it a bad yeah, both, game. But both teams in that game, though, it, it, it was just constant little fouls and moaning to the referee. And, and basically, the games weren't what they should be. And I just think, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it'll happen all the time. You'll get some blind yeah. games and sometimes it'll be great. But I wouldn't just assume that just because you're going to see Bayern Munich play Barcelona every week, that you'll see a cracking game because sometimes yeah. it's just not going to happen. Yeah. No, I agree. Cool. I, I would personally prefer them to kind of rejig the champions league so that more yeah. big teams can actually play each other and yeah. not avoid each other in the early rounds because about they sort of have done that though yeah, like. probably 10 years ago where you saw teams where you could have three big teams in a group and yes well one of them's getting knocked out you're getting some absolutely phenomenal games where they're getting to play against each other how many years we can probably count in our hands in the past couple of years that there's actually been a really big game that's that's happened because you often do see a lot of these teams that get through to the quarterfinal semifinal without having to play well, it started when they changed the rule that said pot one would be champions only yeah and, exactly. and i get the logic behind that you want to reward teams for winning your league you should be rewarded for that but the if they haven't done it is, before i don't trade off like is, is that porto and zenny and a couple of teams that you know are, are less deserving end up in pot one and then you know the big the big boys that you want to play each other they can draw an easy pot one game as opposed to you know yeah but that, yeah, that like that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you go back to i kind of moving back to like the earlier mid 2000s when you saw a load of these big games happen kind of because there wasn't many restrictions and it's just one of those where i think the champions league was really enjoyable because almost every week there was a huge game that was on and it made it feel like okay this is what european football is all about like i don't want to see a team like zenit st petersburg in pot one because i think we can all say they have no chance of winning the champions league so i prefer to see like it not not really have parts into a certain extent like you, you don't want four absolutely rubbish teams in one in one group but you do want to have where like the fact that when it came to united's selection that they could only be in two pots like i don't agree with that we're we're in pot two we should have been able to be in any group 
regardless of if there was an English team in it. If I think it's just it's one of those where they're basically forcing what what groups are what and it's kind of taken the joy out of kind of the group games for me like having psg yesterday it was great having two big teams there's not that many of those types of games on a yearly basis in the group stages yeah no. and i just want to quickly say as well that it's the sort of situation where you know why have we taken away where two english sides can't play to i mean some of the great champions yeah games over the years i've been against england i mean the liverpool chelsea games when Mourinho first came to chelsea and then under rafa even their man city liverpool games that they had over two legs i think in the year that liverpool won it or got to fight you know again those, they, those are all late round games which like that yeah, yeah, you've never so been able to play teams in your well, country the chelsea, the chelsea and liverpool ones weren't they were in groups as well yeah but we're, also, the group. we're talking about rewarding teams winning a league it's a lot easier for PSG to win their league than it is for Man City to win the Premier League. I mean, I get what you're saying about rewarding teams winning the league, but that shouldn't be a bit. I mean, it's, it's a lot the easier. Reward is being in the Champions League. Leagues than it is others. I think you should look at ranking maybe the top four European leagues and just having those guys in pot one. Then you know you. And it's free for all. You then then everybody else. It's just yeah, you're in because I don't. I know what you're saying about rewarding people winning the league, but. You know, PSG should be doing that every year with their squad and their money, in my opinion. Yeah, personally, I would do that. And then the rest of pot one should be based on what happened in the Champions League the previous year. So, like, let's say Juventus made a final, but came second in their league. I think that they should be able to be in pot one because they deserved it from the previous season. Just because you win your league, like, for example, would it have been fair that year that Leicester won the league that they should be in pot one over teams like Real Madrid or Barcelona? No way in hell. So that's that's where I'm saying they need to kind of rejig it a little bit because the way it is now, I think it's it's not being as interesting as the Champions League used to be. Yeah, and on that note, guys, we will end. Thank you so much to all you guys in the comments, some fantastic comments, and you've really made this show brilliant. Thank you for getting involved. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We will be going live next Wednesday. I believe we're playing at 8, are we, guys? So we'll be going live straight after that, right after the RB Leipzig game, which will most likely probably be quite a fueled one. Hopefully, if we win, if it's a drab draw, it'll still be fueled because we have poorly in our group. So it's going to be always fun and emotional. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next time.